You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. You might remember that we have we had a partnership class booked for next Saturday. But instead, I thought I'd use this morning to talk about partnership in the church rather than operate the class. We did this once before, just kind of as we're getting back into the regular rhythms of life. I know a lot of people are um, just struggling to manage their schedules and figure out what that looks like again. And so this will be the second time that we're going to teach a little bit about partnership on a Sunday morning. And at the end of this, you can feel free to apply to become a partner in the church. But it's so much more than that as well. I mean, you might be wondering what partnership is. On a basic level, Hillspring partnership fulfills it fulfills a legal requirement to have a membership base as a part of a charity in Canada. But we wanted to use it uh, to have a lot more significance than that. So at Hillspring Partnership is a commitment by believers in the church to share in the common mission of the church. All right. And either way, uh, when we're talking about partnership in the sense of church membership, really when we talk about partnership, we're really talking about what it means to be the church. And so whether you sign up to become a partner at the end of this, uh, as a follower of Christ, you are a member of the church. And really what we're talking about then is, is what it means to be a member of the church. And so I hope that this is uh, something uh, that is just even a refresher or gives you a fresh new take on what it means to be part of the church. And at Hillspring Partnerships, a commitment uh, by believers in the church to share in the common mission of the church. And what is our mission? Well, our mission is that we exist as a church. We talked about our mission last week, right? We exist as a church so that all people can find and embrace life in Christ. We exist so that all people, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from in life, it doesn't matter what your doubts are, what your failures are, you are welcome here to come and explore and embrace, hopefully, a life of faith through Christ. How many of you got a magnet last week, right? How many have it on your fridge now, right? It says, so that all people can find and embrace life in Christ. If you didn't get a magnet, Eric will come and, oh no, he won't come right now. <laughs> Eric will come and he'll pass them out because he made fun of me. <clears throat> but ultimately, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is at the center of everything we do, or at least he should be at the center of everything we do. He's the source of life through the forgiveness that God provided through his death on the cross. He is who we're called to be or called to follow and become like so that we can have life to the full and so that our lives can be used as a light for him in the world. And so to be a partner is to affirm this mission and commit oneself to being mutually accountable to one another in the church as we go through life together. And whether or not you decide, as I said before, to become a formal partner after this, the commitments of a partner are really what God calls all of us to as members of the church in the world. And so as I walk through these partner commitments this morning, I hope it opens our eyes in a fresh way about what it means to be the church. Would you pray with me? Why don't you stand with me and get some blood flowing, and then we'll pray. God, we thank you so much that we can gather here this morning. We are truly blessed that we, can, we are connected through your Son and come from all different walks of life and even parts of the world, God together in this room to hear from you. And so God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Show us what it means to be your church, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So let's take a look at the first one. 
First part, our commitment is teaching new participants about our community, including our mission, vision, culture, and those new to faith about Christ. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and I believe we read this last week as well, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So as we learned last week, you have a God-given mission in life to teach others about Jesus. And you might think, but I'm not a teacher. You know, I'm not a teacher. I'm not going to stand up and teach people, you know, about the Bible, about God. I'm not going to stand up in a classroom. And this isn't necessarily about formally teaching. Through your life, through your actions, and yes, there are times where you will need to talk to people and tell them about Jesus. But through all of those things, you teach people about Jesus and the life change that he brings. Sometimes you may need to talk about him or even teach if that's a gifting. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have a gift to, to, to communicate truth about God to other people in a way that will help them understand it. And God wants to use those gifts, whether it's up here potentially on a Sunday morning or in a classroom with kids, or maybe it's in a midweek community. You may have a gift of teaching, but all of us as followers of Christ are called to teach others about Jesus. Second one is this, protecting against division by refusing to spread or fuel negative talk and by directly and graciously addressing concerns in a constructive manner with others and with leadership. Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so there are a number of passages throughout Scripture that, about dealing with conflict. And the goal about approaching people to point out things in their lives isn't about being right. It's not pointing out people's faults to elevate yourself above others, but for the benefit of the person and for the benefit of the community. It's about placing the person and the community around you above your own interests. And by speaking the truth in love. You know, the enemy's number one tactic uh, to attempt destroying the church is division. So through things such as criticism, you know, slander, gossip, assumption about other people's motives, and judgment. And all of these things will destroy the church. But love seeks unity and health among the relationships in the church. By speaking to people directly if there's an issue. You know, not speaking to, you know, to Harold about Andrew if I have an issue with Andrew, but going to Andrew and talking to Andrew. I don't have any issues with you, Andrew. Otherwise, I would have talked to you. But you know, see what I'm saying, though? It's, it's not talking to somebody else about someone you have a problem with. It's going to that person and, and, in, and in the hopes of bringing restoration and unity, having a loving and open conversation with them, not meant to tear them down or elevate yourself above them. This is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Because the best defense is truth and love and devotion to a common mission, which is Christ, when it comes to unity in the church. Number three, participating in the work that it takes to run the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and every one of you is a part of it. The idea here is that we all play a part in making Jesus known to others in the world. So just like our body, a human body is made up of ears, you know, nose, eyes, toes, feet, legs, all the different parts make up a body. We all play a part in the body of Christ. 
And on the most basic level, that involves family duties. You know, when we come together, we gather together as a, as a church family to, to hear from God, to open the Bible up and say, God, we want to hear from you. And then it just involves basic family duties that, of setting up chairs and setting up audio and mixing audio and greeting people at the door. It's just the basics it takes to run, the, run, run our home, right? It's like at home, someone needs to wash the dishes, someone needs to sweep the floor, someone needs to you know, do the laundry. Those are just basic things. And as a body of Christ, all of us need to you know, be a part of doing that so that we can gather together and, and do what we're here to do and love one another and grow together in our relationships with one another. But Paul talks about other gifts such as encouragement, you know, teaching, like I mentioned before, generosity and hospitality, just to name a few that are uniquely given to each of you for the purposes of building up the church under Christ. And so each one of you has a unique gift given to you by God that is intended to be put poured back into this community of people so that all of us can grow up in our knowledge of God together. So that all of us can become more and more like Christ in order to fulfill our purpose of making him known in the world. And so we all need to use the gifts that God has given us because just because you have a gifting doesn't mean you're using it for the purpose that it was given to you for. And each one of us has those gifts for the purpose of building this church up under the head who is Christ. So we need to use those gifts and participate together to accomplish our mission. Number four, your favorite one, contributing financially so that the church and its efforts remain financially sustainable. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in, in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give in your, what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so what Paul's really talking about here is the heart of giving. So you need to check your heart and make sure, you know, it's an expectation that we give. You know, actually giving is the essence of what it is to follow Jesus. We know that God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his son for us, gave up his son so that we might be reconciled to him, that we could be forgiven for our sins, reconciled to him, and live in a relationship with the creator of all things, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Jesus gave, loved us so much that he gave up his life for us. To love is to give. So then you might be thinking, well, we're talking financially. How much are you talking about? Well, we know that in the Old Testament, there was a law for that. And that followers of God or God's people were expected to give 10% of everything they brought in. You know, from whenever they brought a harvest in, 10% of that, the first 10% would go to God's purposes, right? But then Jesus fulfilled the law, so we don't need to give anything anymore, right? No, Jesus fulfilled the law by giving up his entire life. And there's even interactions with Pharisees where he doesn't rule out, you know, giving 10% because the Pharisees were the best. They would go into their spice cupboards and they would pull out all their little spices and they would make sure that they gave a tenth of every single thing that they had. So they were really good at the law of tithing, but they just didn't love people very well. But Jesus said, you know, you need to love people without neglecting the former. So you should still be someone who gives and, 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 and intentionally having a habit where you say, I'm going to set aside a portion of what I make and use that for God's purposes. Jesus, he still condoned that. And he said, oh, but we also need to make sure that we love people, which is over and above uh, everything else. In fact, that should be the heart of giving in the first place is that as we give, that we can invest in a community of, of faith where people can come in and, 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 and get to know God. Face ID does not work very well with a mask on, just so you know. 
But being a giver is to see everything in our lives as a resource for God's mission for us. And so you can give, as I said before, you can set up financial giving online. Uh, you just go to our, our website or you can do that through the app. But on top of you know, financial resources, you can give your time, you can give your energy, you can show hospitality, you can even use your own resources such as your home to host a group, to show hospitality. All of these are different ways that we can give of ourselves the same way that God gave up everything for us. Number five, praying that God would enable us to fulfill our mission in our city and beyond for one another in the church and for wisdom for the leadership of the church. In Ephesians 6, 18, we read, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, prayer is, you know, if I could sum it up, prayer is really a recognition of dependence on God. And when we pray, we're not letting God know about something he doesn't already know. God is all-knowing. When we pray, we're not you know, twisting God's arm and somehow trying to convince him to work on our behalf. We're, we're recognizing that God is powerful, that God is good, and we need him. And so we go and we talk to him to express our dependence on him. And God wants us to do that. So we know our mission, but we also know that it's a struggle to fulfill our mission in this world, right? Life is hard. There are all sorts of challenges that come our way. And so we need to be praying constantly that God would work in us and help us to overcome all the obstacles that come up against us in life so that we can fulfill our calling as people who make him known in the world. So we need to pray for our community. We should be praying for the community of people around us that, 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 they, that, that, that something happens in their hearts where they're seeking God and they might even just see a flag and, and, and walk in the door and come to know who God is. It, it's amazing how many people have come into the church who decide to start uh, searching for God and they go online and they, they read a review or they stumble across our website. But we need, we need to pray. Like, you know, a fancy website isn't what d does it. We need to pray that as, as people search for God that they might find themselves in a church like this or any church for that matter that is lifting up Christ, right? So that they can know him and be reconciled to him. We need to pray for one another. You know, that's why we have the prayer list so that we can know what the needs of our community are and, and spend time each day, hopefully, praying for the needs within our church family, because we all need God, and so we need to ask him to work in our lives and express our dependence on him each day. Number six, studying the scriptures in order to grow in the understanding of and participation in a life of faith in Christ. I don't have the verse here, so I'll read it here. If you don't mind flicking to the next slide there. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we, we spoke at the beginning of our last series about the importance of listening to God, of hearing God's voice, right? And scripture is how we can know who God is, what he's done to reconcile us to himself, and what he's called us to do in this world. And so the reality is you can't just read that once and then it doesn't just forever, you know, keep you uh, living with the knowledge of God, shaping everything you do. We are people who drift. From the moment we walk, we might read a scripture here, we might learn about what God's calling us to do. From the moment we hear that and walk out the door, we're bombarded with other messages, with everything, other things that vie for our attention and pull us away from God, what God wants us to do in this life. And so we need to actively engage in scripture every day because first of all, it's humble. 
Because we're recognizing, yeah, we have a tendency to drift. We are humans who are self-interested. And if it's not for God's guidance in our lives, we won't continue to be the people that he's called us to be. And so we humbly engage in scripture every day because we're recognizing that we need to be brought back to who God is so that we can continue to know him and live out his purposes for us in this world. So we need to listen to God through scripture and grow in him in order to fulfill our mission as a church. Just a few more. Number seven involving oneself in the life of the church by attending regularly and participating in groups and other events. In Romans 12, 10, Paul wrote, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And the truth is this, that in our world, devoting oneself to others and putting them first happens very rarely. In our world, people continually put their own interests ahead of others. And it's often, you know, if I have the time to join this community, if I have this time to you know, gather together with other believers, then I will do it. But I got to look at my schedule first and make sure my priorities, you know, have been taken care of. And then if there's a gap in my schedule, I will engage with others in the body of Christ. But we're called actually to honor others above ourselves, to put others in the community of faith above our own interests and make one another the priority. Because we need one another to get through this life together. We need to encourage one another, to nudge one another forward in this life of faith. So we're called to be different than our world. And Jesus put our interests ahead of his own. And he had every right to hang on to his own interests. And then he put our interests ahead of his own. And we're called to do the same by putting one another ahead of ourselves. And so in simple ways, that just means literally coming to church regularly, participating in midweek communities. But on an even deeper level, it means involving yourself in each other's lives. You know, I, I pray for a church where you don't even need meetings and programs to get one another to be involved in one another's lives, where the love is so strong amongst each other in the church that people are just continually involved in one another's lives because they love one another and they care about one another. And you share meals in each other's homes. You gather together in fellowship. You pray together because you are part of the body of Christ together, not because you signed up for a midweek program. Do you know what I'm saying? That's ultimately the goal of being the church. And so we need to be devoted to one another in love. Number eight, subscribing to and supporting the theological and moral convictions of the church. That sounds like a very, you know, subscribing to and supporting the theological and moral convictions of the church. But Paul said, in, said to Timothy, he said, watch your life and doctrine closely. In 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. In other words, know what you've learned from Jesus and hold on to it. Hold on to it. You know, there are all kinds of falsehood in this world and in the church that attempt to shake what we've come to know through Christ. And that's the reality of it. So we need to know what we believe and we need to hold on to it remind ourselves of it on a regular basis and hold it tight and use the sermon. You've heard me talk about this so many times. Exercise the sermon so that we won't just let anything under the umbrella of Christianity shape what we believe about God or what we believe about who we are in this world. We have a statement of beliefs that summarizes what we believe. And uh, we won't go over it this morning. It's fairly basic, but it captures the essence of who God is and what he's done for us through Christ. And really, as a church, we feel that those are the essential truths that we need to focus on, the gospel of Christ. There are lots of things in theology and in the church that we could dialogue about and we could debate about of our interpretation of Scripture for the rest of our lives. 
But ultimately, you know, the things that matter the most are what God has made clear through the person of Jesus. And those are the things that we put in writing and we need to be in agreement on because those are what bring us together as a church and give us life in this world. And that is what we will remain focused on. And so I'm going to send those things out in an email this week. For any of you who want to follow up with partnership and want to read through our beliefs, read over these partner commitments again and take the next step to apply to become a partner. I'll send those out. Number nine, avoiding activities that God leaves behind. This is the final one. Avoiding activities that God leaves be, that God calls people to leave behind and to live as a witness of Christ in the world as outlined in Scripture. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, we read, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And while we know through the gospel that we're not saved by being perfect or for any works for that matter, God does call us to leave a number of things behind when we turn to him. Why? Because these things destroy us. They absolutely destroy our lives. They destroy his image in us as we live in this world. And you can't experience the kingdom of God if you're still living like the world. And when we follow God into his kingdom, when we live like Christ, our lives are blessed, we're made whole, there's peace, there's love, there's unity amongst us, and, and our lives are made whole through Christ. But if we continue living like the world, there's no way you can experience the kingdom of God because you're still living like the world, and the things that you do that are based on our world's values destroy our lives. You know what I mean? And so God, when we turn to him, he calls us to follow him because he loves us, and he wants to guide us in the way of truth so that our lives can be made whole whole. He's a good, good father. So this is what it means to be the church through, I mean, this is how we've summarized those things in nine points. If you want to be a partner by committing to these things, we would love for you to do so. And as I said before, I'll send out an email with, with these things summarized again, with our belief statements summarized again. But even if you don't, even if at the end of the day, you're like, you know, I don't really want to get involved in being a partner. I don't want to have to come and like vote at the annual meeting, those types of things. Even if you don't, I hope that this has given you a fresh new look on what it means to be the church. Because ultimately for us, that's what partnership is a commitment to, to say, you know what? Yeah, we, we, we affirm that this is what it means to be the church. And we, we want ourselves to be held accountable to others in the church to make sure that we continue to move forward towards that goal. Because it's so important for us as a church. Does that mean you're not a Christian if you don't become a part? Not at all. But we, we hope that all of you will just live as a part of the church. That's our greatest goal, that you will affirm these things through your life with one another more than through signing a partnership document. But if you want to be a partner, then that's fine. But I hope that it's given you a fresh new look on what it means to be the church because as followers of Christ, you are the church. You are the church. There, you know, Hillspring is just a name we've given to a community of people that make up a localized expression of the body of Christ that exists throughout the world. As a follower of Christ, you are the church. And God has called us to these things as members of his body so that we can grow up under the head which is Christ and make God known in the world. Would you stand with me? Christine's going to come and she's going to sing or she's going to lead a song in a song. In closing, but let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you that 
that you have involved us in your mission in this world. God, that you've taken our broken lives and you've called us to follow you, to turn to you, and to be made new as we devote ourselves to you and follow your son and the truth that you've shown us, God. God, I pray for each one of us standing here this morning that each of us would, would fully embrace the calling that you have for our lives as members of your body, God. Would we see your mission above all else in this life? May we live to give ourselves in love to one another, God, in the same way that you've loved us and laid your life down for us, God. And in doing so, God, we pray that, that you would do great things in this church, God, as, as people in this world continue to struggle as we just come out of a couple of hard years and are looking for truth, God. As all of us are putting the pieces of our lives back together, God, we just turn to you and we ask you to lead us and to make us whole because you are the creator and the only one who gives life. And so use us, use our relationships with you and with each other, God, to make you known in this world, God. And may people come in and, and, and come and have an encounter with who you are and your great love, we pray in your name. Everyone said.